Welcome to all those joining us in person and those that are joining us on Zoom. Tonight's shear is dedicated Le'ilu Nishmas, Mordechai Brebihuda Aryeh, and all those that need an Ilu Nishama, all these soldiers and others that, that need an Ilu Nishama, and also for a complete Rafua Shalema for Hinda Sheva Bas Rochel, and all those that need a Rafua. This week, Thursday night, we're going to be lighting the first candle of Hanukkah. And the title for the shir is Praying for Miracles and Fighting Our Battles. When we talk about Hanukkah, there are two miracles that are being celebrated. One is the fact that the Greeks at that time were the powerful kingdom of the world. Just like during the time of Moshe Rabbeinu, it was Egypt. At another time, it was the Romans. At another time, it was the Persian. This time, it was the Greeks. And we find that the Torah tells us about this all the way on page one, when Hashem speaks about the creation of the world. In the second passage, the first passage is, Bereshis, in the beginning, Hashem created heaven and earth. And heaven and earth means heaven and earth. And it also means the crown of all of creation, which is a human being, who is a combination of heaven and earth, a combination of an ashama, which is heavenly, and a body, which is physical. In fact, we find the Gemara says that when a person passes away and Hashem wants to judge a person, the the Gemara gives this as as a moshal, as a parable. Hashem approaches the body and says, you're the guilty party of anything that was done wrong. The body says, what are you talking about? I'm helpless. Without a battery, I can't. Without an neshama, I can't do anything. It's not my fault. It's his fault. Hashem goes to the neshama and says to the neshama, I guess you're the one who is responsible for all the sins. And the neshama says, sins me, it's the furthest thing from my mind. It's the last. There's no way in the world that I would ever conceive of committing a sin. And the Gemara says this could be compared to a king who has a beautiful garden and he hires and with all kinds of fabulous fruit, and he's concerned that the guards shouldn't shouldn't steal the fruit. So he hires a blind person and a cripple. The cripple can't climb to get to the fruit, and the blind person can't see. Figures it's a great combination, but the two get together. The the, the blind person lifts up the cripple, and they they enjoy the fruit. The Gemara says, this is the body. Hashem says, we're going to take the body and the soul and put them back together and punish them together. And the Gemara quotes a pasuk, Yikro el hashamayim meimal vel ha'oratz mitachas, that Hashem calls out to heaven and earth, the soul and the body. So the first pasuk in the Torah tells us about Hashem's crown achievement, which is man. Hashem creates man, us. We have free choice. We are the ultimate purpose of creation. But then Pasuk number two tells us, that in order for us to get to where we need to get to eventually, in order to get to a final gula, we're going to have to first go through four levels of darkness. Which refer to the Golis Bavel, the Babylonian exile, the Persian exile, the third one is Choshech, darkness, which is the Greeks. And then Alpanei Sahim, the depths, the, the deep depths, 
refers to the final exile that we're going through now, which is the Golis Edom, or Rome. Started off with the Romans destroying the second base Amikdosh. Hanukkah was celebrating the fact that in among the Jews, a majority, a majority succumbed to the temptations of the Greeks. Greek philosophy, Greek culture, Hellenism. It was they 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 did a good marketing job, and there were many people that followed them. And there were a small group of people who remained loyal to Hashem, loyal to faith in the Torah, etc., and were not willing to submit. And at that time, the, the 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 specific decree that the Greeks had issued at the time, there were three mitzvahs specifically that they were very, very much against, which were Shabbos, observing Shabbos, bris milah, circumcision, and the third one was Kiddush HaChodesh, defining our calendar, the lunar calendar, which we go by, versus the solar calendar, which the secular world goes by. Mila, Shabbos, Chodesh, these are the three. And we know that on Hanukkah especially, the chapter of Tehillim that's recited in shuls, many shuls recite it in Admar of different times, Mizmor Shir Chanukas Habayis Ladovid. Chanukas Habayis, Hanukkah, speaking about the renewal of the Beis Hamikdosh. The first three words, Mizmor Shir Chanukas, the first letters, Mem Shin Ches, Milo, Shabbos Chodesh. In those first three words in that chapter of Tehillim, it alludes to what the threat was at the time. The threat was that they didn't want us to, especially these three mitzvahs, they were extremely against. And we celebrate by, by singing this chapter of Tehillim, we celebrate the fact that the Jews did not submit. And Rabin Biat Miatin, we're told that by all standard laws of nature, they didn't stand a chance against the majority, the huge numbers of the Greek kingdom at the time, and even within the Jewish nation, the large numbers of people who were following, who were, who were going for the great Greek culture, Greek philosophy. But Matisyahu and his sons, a small group of people, were not impressed with majority. We know a person would say, but people ask this question, but according to the Torah, isn't there a rule in the Torah that majority rules? When you have a Jewish court and they're trying to decide innocent or guilty, we go by majority. The answer is that the Torah tells us that's when they're all operating within the realm of kosher, within the realm of truth. Kesher Rishoim Enoiminaminyan. The Gemara says that a, a combination of, of people that are evil don't count. There they could be thousands, they could be millions, it doesn't matter. It's zero, it doesn't count at all. So this small group challenged these incredible large numbers and won. This was clearly a miracle. Everybody would know that by natural standards, this wasn't possible. Just like, I don't see anyone here with white hair. Those who were around at the Six-Day War, 1967, and saw what was what was coming, saw that were 300 million Arabs united at that time, 1967, 300 million Arabs, Egypt, Syria, Jordan, Iraq, everyone all united, 
we're going to crush this little butterfly, this little neighborhood called Eretz Yisrael, this tiny little country. And the world was standing by innocently watching to see how's this going to happen? How's this going to work out? And sure enough, Hashem made an incredible miracle. The entire world witnessed this, that this tiny little country went up against these countries where each and every one of them is many times the size of Eretz Yisrael. You look at a map, you look at a map in the Middle East, you can hardly see some maps leave out Eretz Yisrael because it's too small to register on the map of the Middle East. And yet when Hashem wants, first they, they wiped out the Egyptian Air Force and then they went to Syria, they went from one to the next and then they started galloping on their horses, galloping towards Cairo and Damascus. And every every day you heard, they're 50 miles away. They're 30 miles away. They're to... And the United Nations naturally is, is horrified, worried about this. And the whole world is saying, please stop. They were afraid that Israel is going to take over Egypt, Syria, all of these countries. <clears throat> and sure enough, Hashem decided for whatever reason that it wasn't the time yet. So they did stop. But the quantity of land, people that travel in Eretz Israel today, in the Golan and in those places, you can drive for hours, hours. And this was conquered during that six-day war. In, in two or three days, they conquered miles and miles, square miles of territory. Why? Because Hashem said so. That's why. Because Hashem gave us the green light. So this is the first miracle that we celebrate on Hanukkah. We remember that thousands of years ago this happened. And we remind ourselves, we say in Shmon Esrei, that we acknowledge that whether we see it or not, sometimes we recognize it, sometimes we don't. But there are miracles taking place every single day. Morning, afternoon, and evening, there are miracles. Sometimes we recognize it. People today that are in touch with what's going on today in Eretz Yisrael throughout the world, we hear some of the stories. On one hand, there are terrible tragedies, terrible atrocities. And on the other hand, we hear miracles, clear miracles of how individuals were saved, how entire communities were saved, etc., etc. So this is the first miracle that we're celebrating on Hanukkah. And then there's a second miracle that, that we had a Beis Samikdosh at that time. The Beis the Holy Temple, required holiness. And if the oil or any other parts of the Beis were touched by a dead body or by anyone that was impure in any way, it couldn't be used in the Beis That oil could not be used for the menorah. The Greeks were aware of this, and they knew that the Beis is a beacon of light for Klal Yisrael, for the Jewish people. So they did everything they could to try to make it inoperable. And all the oil, any oil that they were able to, to get hold of, they defiled it. And the Jewish people found one small vial of oil. According to some opinions, it was a one-day supply. According to other opinions, it was less than a day's supply of oil. And they they said, this is what we have. This is what we have. A person would say normally, and, and in order to produce pure oil, again, that was not defiled, it would take a long period of time. So now there's a decision, what do we do? Do we just leave it alone and wait for the, 
or do we take this little bit and go with the little bit? They decided to go with the little bit. They put a match to it. And sure enough, this one day or less than a day's supply of oil burned for eight days. Miracle, super miracle. These are the two things that we're celebrating about Hanukkah. Now, we know that Judaism is not a religion where it's about history. It's celebrating things that happened in the past. It has to have an application to us now, today. The word Torah means to teach. Every story in the Torah, every law in the Torah has to have an application to us today. Do both of these concepts apply to us today? Let's see exactly how they do. Number one, the Torah tells us that throughout generations, Hashem says, Loi mirubchem Hashem. It's not because you are so many, you're so large, that Hashem desires you, the Jewish people. You are the smallest of all the nations. We know that there are many people who are impressed with numbers, large, big. But we know that diamonds, you don't measure diamonds by the kilo or by the ton or by the pound. You can have a small little pouch of diamonds that could be worth more than truckloads, truckloads of other things. So Hashem says about us, the Jewish people, the pride that I take in you is not because of how many you are or how great, how bloated you are, how arrogant you are. What I like about you the most, what makes you so special in my eyes is that you're the smallest. Smallest could mean in quantity, and smallest means humility. When Hashem chose to give the Torah to the world, to the Israel, and to, to go public, he picked a mountain, but the smallest mountain, the lowest mountain, to teach us that this is what impresses Hashem, a mountain and low. My rabbi, one of my rabbis, Rabbi Rosenfeld, used to joke, there are people who say, I'm nothing, I'm nothing, I don't know anything. And they're not being humble, they're being honest. They're being honest. They really don't know anything, or they really aren't anything. Humility is when a person is a mountain, when a person has greatness, all kinds, a person excels in different things. And despite that, because of our awareness of Hashem, because we look around us and we see a world, and we see a tree, we see a leaf on a tree, just a leaf, one leaf. And we know that with all the scientists that we have and with all the technology and everything, no one has duplicated one leaf yet. A living item, a, a, a caterpillar, a butterfly, nothing. No one has come close to duplicating any of that. <clears throat> so when a person recognizes how great Hashem is, <clears throat> when we're aware of Hashem, the creator, it reminds us that with all of our knowledge and with all of our accomplishments, we're very small, we're very tiny. We can, we can maintain this humility. And this is what Hashem loves. This is what Hashem respects. This is, the, this is the, the miracle of the many being able to be defeated by the few, by the small. The, the small being able to conquer the many. Now, regarding this other item about the fire, about the oil, this small amount of oil and burning it, there's an incredible important lesson that the Torah tells us regarding relationships regarding our relationship with Hashem, regarding our relationships, husband and wife, 
parents and children that there's a healthy relationship and there's an unhealthy relationship. A healthy relationship begins with respect. Yira, the word yira. Yira means respect and yira means fear. Fear of what? Fear of consequences. A person is walking in the street, Central Avenue, and a person wants to go across the street. And if the person is a little bit rational and sane, they're going to look both ways to see are there any cars coming. Because even though I am Mr. Who or Mrs. Who, if a car is coming and it's going at a certain speed, and I cross when I shouldn't, terrible consequences, chasvashon. So and and all different kinds of cases. A person is driving on a highway and they're in a rush to get somewhere, mm-hmm. and they see a sign that says "speed check by radar," and they 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 see police. They they listening to ways police police or helicopter. All once those are things that keep us in check that prevent us from doing certain things that we might do otherwise. This year and the Torah says "racious chachma yira Hashem." The beginning of knowledge, of intellect, is fear of Hashem, respect for Hashem. So that the Greeks or any other secular person who doesn't believe in Hashem, who doesn't have that element, and they're they're studying, they're trying to become smart, they're trying to intellectualize, but they leave out that piece that they're missing a critical piece of the whole equation. Because again, there's yira on one end, yira, which means respect, fear. And then there's something called ahava. Ahava means love. And these mm. two components, these are two, these are like a right hand and a left hand. Ahava is the right hand. Yira is the left hand. Concept of, of, of chesed and givura, kindness and harshness, which make up a complete a complete process. If a person follows the, the, the order, the correct order, it, the Hebrew word yira, yud resh aleph hey, the second half of the word yira, the aleph hey, is the first half of the word ahava. So that people in a relationship, a husband and wife, if there is respect, if there is respect, and that respect develops into a feeling of ahava, a feeling of love, you have a foundation and you have a building on it and it can have, it can last. We have an expression, fall, people fall in love. They fall in and they fall out. One moment a person can feel they like something, they like someone, and, and, and at a latter point, don't like, they, they, don't, they don't have that same liking. And if there isn't a foundation, a solid foundation of respect, there's disaster. It has disastrous results. This applies in our relationship with Hashem, relationship with people. We see when it comes to children, we're living at a time when parents find it much more easy to give, to give kids things that they want than 50 years ago or 100 years ago, when there was much less resources, much less things. People wanted things and the answer was, sorry, can't, don't have it or don't have the ability to buy it or to the resources to get it. Today, we're living in plentiful times compared to what it was in the past. Everything's available. And there are many parents who love their children, love, 
And, and the way we express our love is giving, give, 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 give everything and not expecting, not expecting anything in return necessarily, not, not, and not realizing that again, if a child is receiving Ahava and there isn't a foundation of Yira, you can have a situation where a parent goes out, parent is preparing Shabbos meal, buying all the things that the kids like, this kid likes this, that kid like that, my husband likes this, everything. And, and going through that shopping experience, which takes time and effort and money, and then bringing all of that home and putting it away, and then preparing the whole, preparing a beautiful meal, and then setting a table, and then put, and then after it's all over that, that lengthy process, asking a child, could you help clear the table? And the child could say, no, no, I'm going to read. I'm going to read now, or I'm going to sleep, or I'm going to, and you wonder, how is this no. possible? How is it possible? It doesn't make any sense. It's it's absurd. It's ridiculous. How did this happen? And one of the ways that it happened is that we, we left out, we made a cake, we had cinnamon and vanilla and baking soda, and we just left out one ingredient, the flour. We just left out the flour, the two cups, the three cups of flour. We left out this element of gyra, a concept of reward. There's reward and there's punishment. There's reward and there's consequences. Everything you do good, you're complimented. There's appreciation. A parent can show appreciation to a child if a child does something good. But if you cross a line and if you're not willing to help or to support, life in this world, Hashem didn't create the world. The world is not a free ride for anyone. No one has a free ride. Hashem says that I created everything. I've given you everything. I have, Hashem has expectations. He expects certain things in return. The, the Mishnah, the final Mishnah in Pirkei Avo says, Kol ma ba'olamo, everything Hashem created in his world, he created lichvodo, in order to receive respect. Hashem expects kavod, that we, he's a melech, melech hakavod. A king has to be respected. As the Pasuk says, lichvodi. Berosiv Yitzatif How do we show how do we show respect to Hashem? The Gemara says, Ritsono Zehu Kvodo. A person's will is their respect. If a person, if a parent says, I want quiet, I want, I want quiet right now. If a child complies with that, they're showing respect for the parent. If they don't comply, they're showing disrespect. Very simple. Very, very simple. This is in our relationship with Hashem. This is in our relationship with people. The Torah defines good living. Good living. person would say, wow, you, uh, here again, there are children today or adults who if they're not, they want something and they don't get it, you're a meanie. You're a bad parent. Why? Because I asked for something and I didn't get it. And, and if a child hasn't been taught healthy living, healthy living means that you don't necessarily get everything you want or instant gratification, the term instant gratification, the most important things in life, a baby, a healthy baby takes nine months, seven or nine months. Doesn't make any sense. Hashem created the world in six days. 
the world, the entire world, including man and billions of trees, billions of birds, everything, everything is six days. Why in the world does it have to take so long? Why can't Hashem make it happen in nine minutes or nine seconds? The answer is, it's part of our chinuch. It's part of our education. That in order for us to live a proper life, we need to know that there are certain things that take time. Good things, especially good things, important things, have to be willing to wait, have to, have to be willing to go a certain length. And, and the term instant gratification very often, very often comes with consequences. There's, there's, there's a, a very negative side to that, chas v'shon. So here, when we're talking about what the Greek, the Greek culture versus Torah knowledge, versus the Torah, the, the, the Greek culture and secular culture in general doesn't have any of this. This element doesn't exist. Fear general, fear in general, we have today hundreds or maybe thousands of books written about fear, anxiety. It's a terrible thing. And people think, you don't, I don't want that in my house. I don't want that in my life. I don't want any fear because fear is harmful. It's destructive. That's when the fear is misplaced. A person who is afraid of what they shouldn't be afraid of, that's harmful. There's a pasuk, Yiras Hashem Tosif Yomim. Fear of Hashem adds days to a person's life. It increases, it expands a person's life. Where do we see it? We see it on Hanukkah. Fire, the Torah defines fire as something that generates fear. When Hashem gave the Torah on Har Sinai, it says the mountain was smoking. Har Sinai was smoking, it was on fire. And it says, You were afraid of the fire at that time. And here again, why did Hashem need that? This isn't a, a Spielberg, Spielberg production, Har Sinai. Hashem giving the Torah to the Jewish people. The Jewish people said, we're with you. Nasev and Ishma, Hashem. We're in. We're, we're, where do we sign? Where do we sign on the dotted line? <clears throat> and Hashem said, I love you. I'm going I'm to carry you on the wings of eagles. Why the, why the lifting up the mountain and threatening us? And, because Hashem wanted to teach us that this element is an important element in life. If it's missing, there's something major, major unhealthy that causes a per- that gives a person weakness. A person who doesn't know the concept of consequences the con- the p- comes to getting up in the morning. We hear stories about people getting up in the morning, 8 o'clock night, and going back to sleep and getting up 9, 10, 11, not motivated. Per- child is not motivated. Why aren't they motivated? <clears throat> Because they don't know that something needs to be earned. They don't know that life is not a free ride. It's not something that everything is given unconditioned, without any conditions. Everything, if you if you get up on time, if you show up at work on time, you have a job. If you don't show up on time a certain number of times, there's consequences. Your pay is deducted or your job is taken away, that kind of thing. That fear is what gives a person, if a person accept, recognizes it and accepts it, takes it the right way, that gives the person the ability to get up in the morning, to get out of bed, not to just, just be lying around doing nothing, not motivated, not that, that kind of thing. These are the battles. These are the battles that each and every one of us 
is fighting on a daily basis with ourselves, with other people. And, and on Hanukkah, we see an incredible thing. We see that they took fire. They took a quantity of oil, a one-day supply of oil. They put a match to it. What does the match do? It destroys. Fire destroys. Not only didn't this fire destroy the oil, it increased the lifespan of the oil. This one-day supply of oil burned for eight days, which shows us that there is a certain type of fire, there is a certain type of fear of Yira that not only doesn't it subtract for a person's life, it adds life. It increases a person's productivity. It increases, it gives a person sometimes the motivation, the push that we need to accomplish things, to get certain things done. Any questions? Now, we're told about Hanukkah that the Kovu Shmonasime Hanukkah Elu Lahodo Sulahalil, that our rabbis established these eight days as a time of acknowledgement, recognition, gratitude, expressing gratitude. Gratitude to Hashem for these wonderful, the, the miracles that Hashem showed us at that time. Again, the Torah is teaching us that in life, everyone has challenges. Everyone has, ch- and, and especially in the generation we're living in today, there are challenges that people didn't have years ago, all kinds of challenges, adults, youth, especially. In terms of how do we deal with it? What are the things that give us the ability to handle these challenges the right way? One of them is this concept of gratitude the ability to appreciate, again, to acknowledge that something good that happens to me. We come into this world, all of us have come into this world with nothing, zero. No clothing, no food, nothing at all. If a person realizes that and keeps that in mind, now if I'm thirsty and I'm offered a cup of water, I don't want water, or I'm offered an orange juice, I don't want that orange juice. I want the other orange juice. I want the people who have all kinds of things, you know, all kinds of limitations where this is not good enough and that's not good enough and I want this and I don't want that dress, clothing, anything, anything we're talking about. This concept of lahoidois ulahalev, to express appreciation, to acknowledge that something was given to me or something that was done for me, that the term Hanukkah means chinuch. Chinuch means education, basic education, beginner. When a person moves into a new home, they make a chanukah sabayis. I'm initiating a new home, a new anything that new. That, that's the term chanukah. The Torah is teaching us that the part of, part the, the, the beginning, one of the first elements in education is this concept of gratitude. If we don't do this, <clears throat> if we don't do this, we're, we're lacking in joy. Today, there are so many people suffering from depression, depression, and, and wondering, where is it coming from? Where in the world is it coming from? We have so much more than we ever had before. Life is so much easier in certain ways. A hundred years ago, there was no such thing as refrigeration. Food, you had to use what it was, you had milk, 
you milk for a day or two, and that was it. You wanted more milk, you had to get more, you had to go milk the cow again, whatever it was. The, the things that, that are made so car, the concept of travel, where today a person is going up a hill and they just press on the accelerator slightly, and the car takes you up the hill with zero exertion. Again, doing that 50 years ago, 100 years ago without a car, that could have taken you a week to go up that mountain. And total exhaustion and everything, all of these conveniences, how could it be that we have all of these things and we're not happy? There's so much depression going on all around us. Again, because we're missing these elements, these ingredients that the Torah gives us, ingredients that define good living that define chinuch, that define basic education, with this, this concept of gratitude, of a child being taught at the youngest age to appreciate every single thing. Not, not saying thank you as lip service, but knowing what those words mean. Thank you that no one owes me this, nothing is coming to me, that term entitlement, entitled to nothing. We're not entitled to, no one owes me anything. Hashem doesn't owe me anything. My parents don't, no one owes me anything. And if Hashem is blessing me, is giving me any, <clears throat> I need to I need to appreciate and I need to express it. I need to verbalize it. There's a person, when a person verbalizes something, they remember it. It, it awakens their mind. They think about it. They think like that. When a person's in a mindset of gratitude, person is happy a person is happy when a person realizes that wow i got this and i got that and i got that and and these are all things that no one owed me these are all gifts everything is a gift everything that hashem gives me everything that my parents gave me everything that my husband that my wife gives me so nobody owes me anything nobody and and expressing that gratitude a person has simcha a person has joy and happiness without that where am I supposed to get the joy from? Again, there's a lot of things just listening to the news and seeing things going on around us. There's a lot of things that rob us from that joy, that that, that make a person unhappy, Rahman al-Islam. And these are some of the components that were shown in this holiday of Hanukkah that teach us, that give us this healthy chinuch of being able to live a good life. Now, the Torah defines the time of, of lighting Hanukkah candles in a very interesting way. It doesn't say 8 o'clock. Or the, it says, from when the stars come out, from Tzai until there aren't any people walking around in the marketplace. People are no longer walking around in the marketplace. That's the time for lighting Hanukkah candles. Why? On a, on a simple level, a candle during the day, you don't really appreciate it that much. It's when it's night, when it's dark, that's when you can appreciate the light of a candle, number one. And in terms, and because of the fact that there's a very important element here on Hanukkah of showing the world, showing everybody, showing other people, show, reminding all the Jews now our neighbor that today is Hanukkah. We're remembering that Hashem performed these miracles for us. So there's a concept of Pirsume Nisa publicizing this. So therefore, we want to light candles when people are going to, when people are still out. Now, once upon a time when people were living healthy lives, there was a concept of going to sleep at night. People knew that it got dark outside. 
got a certain level of darkness, people went to sleep and they were healthy and normal. Today, thanks to Thomas Edison and thanks to other wonderful people, there's no concept of night and day on Rahman al-Islam. But still, the Torah's parameters still operate, that the Torah says those rare, normal individuals who do go to sleep at night, not, not at 3 o'clock in the morning, you know, 4 o'clock in the morning, but they go to sleep at 9 or 10 o'clock at night, that kind of thing. When they stop walking around in the marketplace, that's when the time is over. That's when it's too late to be lighting your Hanukkah candles. But one of the profound messages in this, stars, the Torah tells us that stars, tzaddikim, are compared to stars. There's a pasuk, umatzdike rabin kikochavim. Which tzaddikim? Those tzaddikim who are matzdik the rabin. Those tzaddikim who are able to, 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 looking, defend, defend the public, public defenders, people who are able to look at all kinds of people and be able to see the good in them. They are called matzdike harabim. They are matzdik the rabbin. They don't look to find fault with everybody, to say what's wrong with everybody. They look to say what's right with everybody. The Torah tells us that one of the greatest tzaddikim of all time, Eliyahu Hanavi, during his time, the Jews went through a period where many people were worshipping idols. And Hashem was upset by this, and Elianovi was upset by this. And Elianovi came before Hashem, and he said, the Jews have forsaken their commitment to you. They They are no longer upholding the covenant. Bris means a covenant. Hashem said, why are you telling me that? We have an angel. We have a prosecuting angel. We have a Yetzirah, a Satan. That's his job to come and testify against Jews. A tzaddik is supposed to be matzik. A tzaddik is supposed to look for ways to defend the Jewish people. Hashem said, because of this, you are going to be present at every bris. You said that the Jews went against the bris. Every bris, they're going to set aside a kisei shel elio, a special chair for Elianavi to be present, to be able to see that the Jewish people are upholding, they are keeping this mitzvah of bris milah. And number two, Hashem said, prepare your student Elishanavi to take over. That was when Elianavi's career ended, when he spoke against the Jews. What did he say? He was telling the truth. He was telling the truth. Hashem said, that truth, I'm not so excited to hear. From a tzaddik, I expect him to be matzdik, to look to find every way possible to defend. Moshe Rabbeinu, we find the Jews went through so many different challenges and so many different times that we didn't behave properly. And each time Moshe Rabbeinu stood up and defended and prayed, and Hashem calls him my most loyal servant, Moshe Rabbeinu. That's the matzdike, that's again, Chanukah Miloshin Chinuch, basic Chinuch, Jewish education means looking for the good in everybody, not looking to find fault in, with people, looking to see the good in every single person. says that these candles burn until there are no longer any feet walking in the marketplace. Why not say until there are no longer people 
What's the, why feet? The term feet in the Torah has a specific meaning. Meraglim. Meraglim. Loirogal alashoina. The term regal is used for people who walk, who walk and speak negatively and speak negatively. People who go from place to place or person to person with slander. Did you hear what this person said about you? Did you know, do you know what this person said? Do you know what this person did? That's called regal in the Torah. So the Torah tells us that the mitzvah of Hanukkah is all about being matzik. These candles, this light, this holy light is a light of, of being matzik the rabbin, looking for the good points in people, and 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 it it burns it burns until there is no longer there will no longer be any regal in the shuk. There won't be any people in the marketplace going around slandering each other, speaking against each other. These are the messages. These are the messages of this yantif of Hanukkah. This is a, a small taste of some of the ideas that are presented in Rabbi Nachman's forum about the holiday of Hanukkah. We should be to to be able to think about these things. And when we perform this mitzvah, to be able to know the messages that we can apply, the Torah is called Eitz Chaim, a tree of life, a book of life. It, it defines good living. And by knowing the ideas that the Torah gives us, we and our families and people around us will be able to live a better life. <clears throat> and in terms of our prayers being answered, we said what Hashem is looking for when a person speaks against another Jew, when a person speaks, that disqualifies a person. The Arizal said that in order to have our prayers answered, before a person begins to pray, <coughs> we say, Hareini mekabel alai, I hereby declare that I am part of the entire Jewish people. Everyone, we're all, we are all one, we're all united. And that that's one of the things that ensures that our prayers are answered. And especially when we're looking for miracles, when we're looking for Hashem <clears throat> to know that Hashem has done miracles in the past, He does miracles in the present time, if we will do what's expected of us, then we can expect Hashem to do the things that only He can do, that only Hashem can do. To see these miracles, the personal miracles that we need in our own lives and our families, the miracles that Kali Yisrael needs, especially the final Geula Shleimah, B'mhera B'yameinu, Amen V'yameinu. Our host has provided delicious refreshments. Whoever can make a bracha, it should bring a bracha into this house. And bring a bracha to all of Kali Yisrael. Any questions before we close? Would that also apply to ourselves, like finding the productive work in ourselves? Definitely, most definitely. It's very good you and bring it up. A hundred percent. One of the worst things, one of the highest forms of disrespect that a person could show to Hashem is judging Hashem negatively. You know, implying that we understand that I think that Hashem shouldn't have done that should do differently, you know, not knowing, not not, not that kind of thing. And in terms of judging ourselves, definitely required to look here again, look for the good points. I mentioned before that one of the mitzvahs that the Greeks didn't allow the Jews to do was Kiddush HaChodesh. Kiddush HaChodesh means that when the month ends and you don't see the moon anymore, the new month, when the new month begins, people go outside looking for the tiniest speck of the new moon. When they see it, 
they come to Bez, they come to the Jewish court, and they describe what they saw. And if what they saw is accurate, Bezin announces, the Jewish court announces, Mekudash, Mekudash, holy, holy. What's holy? That tiny little drop, that tiny little drop is holy. That's the first mitzvah that Hashem gave the Jews when we came out of Egypt is Kiddush HaKodesh to teach us this lesson that if you can identify a little bit of good in yourself, then you're holy, then you're connected to Hashem, you're connected to holiness, for sure. Question? What are some of the most important parallels that you can draw between Hanukkah and the ongoing war? Parallels between Hanukkah and the ongoing war? The minority, the tiny little minority that's going up against the majority, not just in Eretz Yisrael, but in the world. And, and and the absurdity, the whole world has heard and seen the atrocities, seen. You would think every single country would volunteer to send soldiers, to send planes. And everything. This isn't an Israeli thing. If there are people in the world who are running around doing these kind of things and that they're, they're making it clear, down with America, down with, they're not just against Eretz Yisrael, they're against the Western world. Where's where's all the, the whole world? They're not. They're not. Just like in throughout history. And the only one we can turn to is who they turn to for the miracles of Hanukkah. And Hashem was, at, 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 so personally say, impossible. Nothing's impossible for Hashem. We saw it again. I gave one example, the Six-Day War. With Hashem's help, we'll see it now. We'll see once again that even though we're we're tiny, we're tiny, but we are Asher Bochar Bono Hashem has chosen us because we're tiny. And to see and and again this concept of the the secular culture, uh, so much of the suffering that people are going through today, especially the youth, from from this knowledge, knowledge, technology, but without without the flower. Without the Yira and the Ava, the healthy Yira and Ava, which if kids are taught this at a young age, they're happy. They're happy kids. They appreciate everything. Close friend of mine, a very close friend, who has a few children. Some were raised very modern Orthodox. And one of the kids got very excited about learning Torah and took, besides learning in school, would learn with rabbis after school, went to Israel for a year, a second year, a third year to learn, went to Lakewood. And the father said to me, how is this kid? Right now I can afford, if he gets married, I can support him. The father was doing pretty well financially. But I don't know what's going to be in five years. The kid ended up marrying the daughter of one of the wealthiest, wealthiest family. Now the father tells me, he says, I love all my kids. I love all my kids. But when I go to see my son in Lakewood, he's got four or five little kids. I buy them a toy for $10, $15. And I see all the kids together playing with it. They're all sharing, playing with it. I go to my other kid's house and I buy an I this or an I that that costs $250. And I bring it. Grandpa, we don't want that. No one has that one anymore. There's a newer one. We don't, that's no good. We, and he sees this. He sees a different world. People who have the proper, a healthy Torah education appreciate, appreciate and enjoy. And without that, you can have a hundred times better life 
and there's depression and and therapy and and psychologists and psychiatrists because they don't have the the basic education that the Torah offers. You know, healthy education. Happy Hanukkah. Cool. <laughs>